This episode is sponsored by Audible, the leading provider of spoken word entertainment all in one place. Right now, for a limited time, you can save 60% on your first three months of Audible. That's only $5.95 a month, and you can get it by visiting audible.com slash splain or by texting splain to 500-500. That's 500-500. As an Audible member, you will get one credit every month, good for any title in our premium selection. That means the buzziest new release, a revered classic, or the best audiobook ever read, Lindsay Ellis's Truth of the Divine. These titles are yours to keep forever in your Audible library, which you can listen to while going on a walk, on a bike ride, or while doing your holiday shopping, which is already stressful enough, but for some reason every store decides to play the same five songs over and over again, and it doesn't help in any way whatsoever in trying to decide on whether my future mother-in-law will like that fancy new mixer in Aqua Sky or Scorched Orange. Or maybe she's just an old-school Kyoto glow lady. I don't know. I can't think straight. Why are there so many color options, and why must everything be so hard? You'll also get full access to our popular Plus catalog, filled with original entertainment, guided fitness and meditation, and podcasts, including ad-free versions of your favorite shows. It's all included with your membership, no credits needed. So again, go to audible.com slash splain or text splain to 500-500, that's 500-500, for 60% off your first three months, and I think I'm just going to go get Empire Red. It's classy. It's nice. All right, everybody, welcome to the Musical Splaining Podcast, once again, coming to you from the beautiful city of New York, which we're very excited to be here. I am your host, Kava Teharian. And I am your non-dairy alternative, Lindsay Ellis. <laughs> and today we are joined by our fifth beetle. Uh, <laughs> our tenth beetle. As usual. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, since since we were, you know, since we're doing all these like guest spots, we were like, oh <laughs> the ultimate guest. Yeah. You're really you're more family than a guest. Aww, you come in and I, you open the fridge, you just help yourself to food. Well, you know, I, you have that relative that like, you know, they are the one that visits the most, so the guest room is you know, Aunt Grace's room. room. Yeah, we had yeah. Aunt Grace's room. Yeah. Nah. yeah, I'm like the olive garden of guests. Like, <laughs> when I'm here, I'm family. Your family is underrated. True. Yeah. <laughs> Delicious actually. Yeah. yeah. Good. And, just completely bottomless. bottomless. Yeah. Oh my God, we'll never escape the Olive Garden. No. Escape the Olive Garden sounds like that's an like We'll never escape happiness. Like, oh no, too much Olive Garden. That sounds that would that would be terrible. <laughs> Not another bowl of salad. Yeah. Well, speaking, of, speaking Olive of, Garden, of Olive Garden, the Olive Garden in musicals, <laughs> right. The Lion King. It's been around forever. Everyone's been there except us. <laughs> we're finally gonna watch it. Yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna watch The Lion King. But Angie, you've seen it, right? I have seen it. I saw the touring production in Philadelphia when I was a teenager. And I was too young when Phantom came out to be excited by it. Like any any sort of event musical kind of like flew over my head. But mm. The Lion King happened at like that sweet nexus of like being eight or nine years old for me. And like, I also really liked The Lion King. Yeah, and who didn't? Exactly. I'm like, so like when I remember seeing it on the Tonys and like the the puppets and the choreography and I was just like this is prestige <laughs> this is theater yes this, this is, is cinema the, yes theater yeah. it's like Martha Graham how Prince you dreamed of this yeah. you know and Julie Taymor yeah. is how Prince it. walked so Julie Taymor could fly <laughs> literally there's flying in the show yeah. oh sweet yeah amazing how did you manage to avoid seeing it 
Lindsay? Um, the one time my parents saw it, I, I can't remember why. They were in town for some like college thing, yeah. and I had to go do the college thing. Um, so they were like, well, we're going to go see The Lion King that night. The honest-to-God truth is I was so burned by the, and we're going to get into this, Uh-oh. first Disney foray into Broadway, which was Beauty and the Beast. Yes, we talked about, we've hinted at your treacherous past before. So honestly, there's a part of me, I mean, I can't possibly hate it more than the first time I saw it. (laughs) And it's kind of, it's almost sad that like, there's no touring version, probably because they know it sucks. Um, Mm. And after, you know, every, every attempt to cash in on that fucking movie it's just each one worse than the last i didn't think i could hate that musical more and then beauty and the beast 2017 came out and i'm yeah. like it got worse it could turns out it could get worse it's just like a cruel joke of how like my favorite disney movie only gets worse yeah as disney each, puts its eyeball back on it like, yeah it's like actually maybe it was good the first time and yeah. you need to you need to stop yeah. yeah or did you did you well, do you want to tell your story about the oh my yeah well i'll start with mine because mine's kind of lame okay um like because because uh, I saw Beauty and the Beast at the Luton Fontaine Theater like right after I moved here, my freshman year of college. Mm-hmm. It was the first show that Lisa and I saw together, our our little shop buddy. And you know, the, and it's kind of funny because we were just talking about like, man, remember when we had the energy to see like every show, even though we didn't have any money, you know? Because back then, I think they still do this for such. I think they still do this for some shows. It's called standing room only. Basically, you pay $20 to stand behind the seats. Yeah. And you just stand up the whole show at the very, very end of that the orchestra. It, yeah. But you're a freshman in college, so you're yeah. like, yeah, I thought like, well, like, it doesn't I matter. Could, I, yeah. I saw you so many shows. Yeah. Yeah. You're just like, your body doesn't Yeah, I need yet. to see all the shows, but I don't need <laughs> money. Yes, I'm going to stand up for three hours. I always liked cool. it, like when I was like a little artsy, like college kid, because I was like, it's just like the Victorian times where I'm at the music hall yeah. and I'm standing. I'm like a groundling. So uh, we saw it standing room and um, halfway through uh, the show, we, we managed to sneak into the orchestra. So we only had to stand for half of it. But the show just kind of was just like this weird twee goofiness that the movie was not. Because you don't really think about it, but Beauty and the Beast 92 mm-hmm. is is really dark. Like it's, it's yeah. like I remember the first time I saw it, like thinking that like cause I was really young, but like the Beast was bad. And the first time he sees Maurice, he eats him. And yeah. that's the end of Maurice. A little <laughs> bit terrifying. Um, yeah, yeah it's, sure. it's like yeah. a really a dark beast. movie. Yeah. And the Broadway show kiddifies it. Like it mm. somehow kiddifies a Disney movie. And that seeing that Broadway show, I hated it so much. I immediately walked across the street and got like, the, that was the first special edition DVD I ever bought because okay. that was before the extended Lord of the Rings had come out. Oh, right. And, um, well, at least The Return of the King. Right. And uh, and basically that was what made me really appreciate the original movie because I was like, oh, the movie's good. And this is this is bad. And yeah. Uh, But yeah, yours was better. So yeah, <laughs> I, I saw Beauty and the Beast after it had moved because it was originally in the palace, I think, and then it moved yeah. to the Lunt Fontaine. Lunt, which yeah, is, I saw it at the Lunt Fontaine. It's a much smaller theater. So, you know, you can already see like the writing on the wall there. Yeah. Um, but I saw it in eighth grade. It was our band's annual like trip to New York City. We always saw a show. And I remember being really pissed because that was when I was like not into Phantom quite yet. Like I'd loved the book, but I had never heard the musical, but I was Phantom curious. Yeah. And oh, okay. so I was like, I voted for that, but that lost to Beauty I and the Beast. I wish you just stayed curious. <laughs> Why couldn't you be Lion yeah. King curious? <laughs> we so, so we voted for Beauty and the Beast and I was, you know, 13 and that was the age where I was like, 
too old for Disney stuff. So You're I was never like, too old for Disney well, stuff. Yes, as we've learned here, you know. <laughs> You're never too old, but at the time I was just like, yeah, there's no. definitely that like space when you're no, like, you're, a, you're cool an adolescent yeah. where you're too cool yeah. for it. I'm a yeah. grown up now. I, was just like, I'm I don't like that baby yeah. stuff. I like cool stuff <laughs> right. like corn. I listen to Dido. I'm <laughs> such a badass. Um, like when I was a child, Beauty and the Beast was like my favorite movie. I've talked about this mm. in other episodes, but right. it was kind of like my my raison d'être, you know, seeing it as a three year old. Um, but at that time I was like, ew, no. And like, so we went to see it. And I saw a matinee and I saw with Christopher Sieber, who's like an actual Broadway name now, but he was playing Gaston. But that's beside the point. Mm-hmm. Saw a matinee just filled with children. It was a Wednesday afternoon. And I'll never forget like the end of the show. I, I don't remember who was playing the beast, but the beast, you know, spoiler alert, transforms back into what? a human. Yeah. He transforms back into a human, like just walks out on stage as a man. And somebody in the mezzanine starts it. It's a kid. And they go, Ew! And then every other kid in the audience just starts doing Ew. it too. And <laughs> this poor man, this, like it's just like burning in my brain, just like this oh. ripple of ew. And like it's, it's the thing is, is like it's a kid-heavy show. I'm yeah. assuming a lot of the audience for this is field trips and. I always wonder, like, how many times has this happened? You know, because mm-hmm. it's when I was like, off, you know, when I saw it, uh, when Gaston came out, mm. the audience booed him <laughs> during oh. the curtain call. Oh, yeah, and apparently he was used to it because he was like, "Oh," yeah. and like, <laughs> I was like, "This is really not good. okay." Yeah. You know, like this poor man. He just like he's just he's he's an actor. He's just he's just doing his job. It's, it's a living man. Yeah. yeah, like and it was the same thing. Like I remember being like, I went home on the bus and it was like a two hour drive, and I was doing a lot of thinking, and I was like, I remember loving Beauty the beast and something about this does not sit well with me and so like, i guess i have to revisit so it. I guess I have to revisit it and then it was like i was one of those disney teenagers that was like beauty and the beast and just one monster man <laughs> yeah. yeah so beauty and the beast was disney's dry run yeah. for, for the theater. most successful broadway musical of all time depending on how you measure it the lion king okay i better get into these notes that's time stats the Lion King is a musical based on the 1994 Walt Disney Animation Studios animated feature film of the same name with music by Elton John, lyrics by Tim Rice, and book by Roger Allers and Irene Mechie. Is that right? Zendaya is Michi. Michi. <laughs> and LeBron James is Gwangi. I don't know what this is a reference oh, to. So someone's, our, our dad doesn't get it. No. Oh, God, I'm sorry. <laughs> you young kids. Yeah. Your ripped jeans and references <laughs> and things I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Put some patches on there. Hey, at Twitter, link him to Zendaya is Michi. Just spam him. Just spam yeah. him. For, for a year, forever, for all time. Zendaya is Michi. <laughs> do love it. it. And directed by Julie Taylor. Isn't it Taymor? Taymor. Did I? Did I? It's did Taylor I? Oh, Julie that, Taymor. My bad. <laughs> I, I just, yeah, I thought Taymor was a stupid uh, I'm name. I'm a musical so I expert yeah. now, so I know that it's Julie Taymor. <laughs> so apparently, I wrote Spider-Man. down Taylor. Julie Taylor. <laughs> I'm just a grammar stickler. Walt Disney Theatrical Production LTD was formed on February 8th, 1993, to produce a Broadway version of their animated smash hit, the aforementioned Beauty and the Beast. With Ron Logan, Disney's Park Live production head as president to produce Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, I put that in there because that was a whole thing. Yeah. If you've read Disney War, <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, because there's like Eisner was like a paintball gun of a man. Just yeah. everything he could shoot at every wall, yeah. he was doing it. And in a way, it should, because like that was when he bought ABC. Bad idea. Yeah. He They started the uh, Broadway production company. Yeah. They made, broke ground on Euro Disney. Yeah. Like they, they were, were doing like the Disney amazing. annual movies again, For like they so had done. Long he yeah. Was like, there too. Yeah. And just like in the early 90s, he was just, because there's so many things that are just lost to the sands of time. Yeah. yeah. Some things that like kind of almost became a thing, like go.com. Right. Was like the <laughs> bing of its day. Yeah. Like they wanted it to be Google. Like Disney. 
Disney wanted to be good. Like, yeah. he was so ambitious, and some of the stuff worked out. Yeah. For a long time, if you went to, like, any Disney site, you'd always see, like, the Go, like, domain. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah Disney.go.com, yeah. abc.go.com. He was yeah. also, like, a theater kid, Michael Eisner, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Like, so that was also a big big part of it. Him that. and Katzenberg both were, weren't they? Isn't that the whole thing? Like, yeah. that was their yeah. thing together that they brought to all those Disney movies in the late 80s and, like, the whole renaissance. Was- yeah. Katzenberg, it's funny, like, neither of them were animation guys. Yeah. No, That's the ironic thing. Yeah. 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 Like, the only reason the animation studio stayed afloat was because of Roy Disney. Yeah. And Eisner eventually kind of saw where there was money in it. Uh, but for the most part in the 90s, he was like, how do we get into literally anything else? Mm-hmm. And they only decided to open the Broadway thing when they were like, oh, we have this property. Because most of Beauty and the Beast, the movie, mm-hmm. was cast from Broadway actors. Yeah. Um, so it was just sort of like a logical progression. And it did well. Like, yeah. it did fine. It ran for like 10 years. Yeah. Um, That's pretty long. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and it, it moved theaters. Yeah, like, it got downsized. Yeah, because we'll talk point. about theater size later. <laughs> size does size matter. Because, <laughs> like, Beauty and the Beast started at the Palace, which is one of the biggest. It's certainly the tallest. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, um, yeah, it has three mezzanines. Yeah. And like Jesus. a wedding cake. It's yeah. massive. It's, yeah. And that's where we saw Lestat <laughs> twice. <laughs> so sad that like, yeah, my film or my book, my book to film agent also represents Linda Wolverton, who Whoa. not only wrote Beauty and the Beast, yeah. the movie not the, or, and, and the Broadway show, yeah. um, but also wrote the book for Lestat. Yeah, that's right. And oh. He assures me that there was okay. a recording out there. Yeah, yeah and we Linda- talked about that. And Linda Wolverton has access to it. (laughs) And I'm just like, I just need to sell the rights good for lots of money and then I'll get it. So, hey, film people, someone buy the rights to my book so I can get access to a staff (laughs) That's the only reason. Yeah, the only reason. Uh, Beauty and the Beast opened on Broadway at the Palace Theater on April 18th, 1994. Disney Theatrical signed a 49-year revenue-based lease for New Amsterdam Theater in 95. That's a long time. Is that typical to go that long? No. Fucking 50 years? Although it's been almost 30 years since Mm. that was signed, so they're... Oh, fuck, we're so old. That just ruined my night, thanks. (laughs) So, yeah, they're more than 60% through it. (laughs) It just felt like a breeze that went, depends. (laughs) (laughs) Jamie Jamie Lee Curtis just walked in with some activity. <laughs> Would you like a Werther's? <laughs> when people Mom joke G. about when people joke about Disney buying out Times Square and cleaning up the hookers, this is more or less what they're talking about. Yeah, Disney yeah. did like they didn't buy it; they leased it. Disney, yeah. um, like Palace, was more or less dominated by Disney. New Amsterdam has been occupied by Disney properties since Beauty and the Beast. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I forget what it is now. I don't think it's anything right now. Yeah. I just always remember there was a forbidden Broadway parody that was about Rudy Giuliani and Julie Andrews as Mary Poppins joking about how Disney had bought out Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. Disney and Rudy Giuliani had basically like taken all of like the, for better or worse, all of the actual grit and character out of Times Square. I'm honestly, I'm going to say it. For better, yeah. <laughs> like Giuliani is is a trash can. Yeah. However, Times Square was a gross, scary, dangerous place. I yeah. like that it has chairs now. Yeah. I like that the traffic <laughs> like, is gone. <laughs> I like TKTS. I like that. The, like they got rid of the cars. You can't drive through it anymore. You it's can't great. jerk off yeah. on there anymore. You can't, like, you can't no even point, like, pee. Not with that yeah, attitude. yeah. <laughs> all just like all the adults. Like, it is kind of like like almost a little like totalitarian with that giant NYPD kiosk right in the middle of Times Square. (laughs) That's just like, watch your ass. (laughs) Carmine's is here. Yeah, Uh, Carmine's was always here. It did this thing that a lot of giant shows do, which is they do a test run in a city that is not New York. Yeah, Like Beetlejuice did it in Washington, D.C. Lestat did it in San 
Francisco. Yeah. <laughs> Aladdin did this as well. I know this because I did Aladdin. Oh, oh I guess we'll find out. Yeah. When, when we've already released this, I don't, we haven't decided the release schedule yet. Um, and uh, this one did its practice run in Minneapolis, of mm-hmm. all places, and opened in November of 1997 on Broadway. Okay. So the musical incorporates several changes and additions to the storyline as compared to the film. The Mandro Rafiki's gender was changed to a female role because Tamor believed that there was generally no leading female character in the film. Uh, I guess that's right. Yeah. yeah. Or what, what does like Beyonce raw meat? Yeah. <laughs> Chopped liver. Uh, not a cub yeah. anymore. No, not a cub. I actually never Lions, saw the live action. Oh, oh it is. <laughs> I had no interest in it. I will say this. I used to be on, on these lists for influencer screenings back when that was a thing. Uh-huh. And me and Jenny Nicholson, she was my plus one, and we saw The Lion King. And I think we were so badly behaved. Like, we could not stop As laughing. You should have been. <laughs> I got I got removed from those influencer really, lists. Really, straight up. Yeah. I, guess I never got invited back to any of those uh, 3D yeah. screenings. Oof. Oof. Yeah, that was a that was a rough movie. It's like, yeah. I'm like I'm glad. I mean, like honestly, fine. I was like it, it was it was really funny. I'm glad I saw it in that context. But mm. it is honestly a deeply infuriating movie. Yeah. Yeah, I just skipped it altogether. I was like, eh, yeah. No. And it's interesting because like the um, the Broadway show has all these new songs that are written by Lebo M and Elton John and Hans Zimmer, who did all the music for yeah, the original yeah, yeah. movie. All three of them did, and they're like really good songs. And then the movie, the live action, the the fake live, live action, the, the CGI, action CGI <laughs> uh, uses none of it. You're like, wait, what? Yeah, they they, they yeah. just like they added all. See, these that's new another songs. reason why Lestat is relevant. <laughs> another <laughs> musical by Elton John yes. and Tim Rice. Yeah. No, Bernie Taupin. Oh, Bernie Taupin. Yeah, yeah that was like Bernie his, actually wrote yeah, the his first and only okay. collaboration with Bernie Taupin as a as a musical. musical yeah, writer. and it, oh, Fuck, it was rough. so I know it's just one. like y'all are hung up on Spider Man, yeah. but you yeah. want to see a real disaster, a real turkey. You guys are sleeping on Lestat the mm. musical. So good. Vampires just don't work as a. I'm just like my one of my biggest regrets, and even as a broke college student at the time I knew I would regret it is not buying every piece of Lestat I merch same it, it was okay so there was this song called The Crimson Kiss yeah that you know well, we talked about this yeah. and I was like what the fuck and I I don't think they realized what that meant I know yeah. and there was a shirt that just said The, the Crimson, Crimson Kiss, Kiss with no context and my roommate bought it and yep. I didn't and I just yep. spent yep. the rest of our roommate ship just jealous just, of this j- shirt yeah. like why did I not buy the shirt so many regrets <laughs> so many regrets public so service Kids, kids, even if you're broke, your yeah. yeah. Even if you're broke, if you want it, buy it. Yeah. You will debt. regret not. Yes. yeah. Especially if that show is about to close. Yeah, I have like a very like um like Orson Welles and like Rosebud. Fucking Crimson Kiss. What does that mean? Kiss, yeah. <laughs> it's a secret yeah. to her fortune in oh, her yeah. old age. Crimson Kiss. Crimson Kiss. Over 100 million people worldwide have seen the musical and has earned numerous awards and honors, including six Tonys, one for Best Musical and Best Direction of a Musical, making Julie Taymor the first woman to win for director. Right. And arguably the only like celebrity Broadway director. Yeah. Like, cause I feel like even there's... I knew that Julie Tamer was a Broadway director because of all the hubbub that they had. Right. Yeah. And this is from fucking when she did uh, Frida. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Cause she, she wasn't a famous film director until after she did Lion King. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so she's primarily known as a Broadway director, even though she really only has the one big success yeah. and the one big failure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but when you think about it, cause like there's a lot of directors, Broadway directors that are known to, you know, nerds. Yeah. Like, you know, like we know who Rachel Chavkin is. Yeah. And our great daddy. The Mamma Mia Prince. musical, right? Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Hal Prince. Hal yeah. Prince. Yeah. 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 Terrence Mann. Yeah. Nerd. 
Ter- Trevor Nunn. Sorry. Yeah, Trevor Nunn. But like people, like p- people outside of theater circles don't really know that name. People yeah. know you, like you know who Jaylee, Julie Taymor was. Yes, Jaylee I did Taymor. Taylor. 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 I did know. Yes, that's true. Uh, in September 2014, The Lion King became the top earning title in box office history for both stage productions and films, surpassing the record previously held by Phantom. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you'd be like, take joy in yeah. reading something. I think it. it's better than, you I beat already it. love this musical. It's already a 10 out of 10. We don't need to do a second half. You beat it, it. wins. Uh, the Lion King musical has grossed nearly eight point. Holy shit, eight point one billion dollars. Yes. That's like Fuck a GDP me. of some yeah. like <laughs> Eastern that European out countries. Out of control. Yeah. Uh, okay, cool. Well, I'm, looking, <laughs> I'm like, that's a crazy amount of money. Yeah, that's that's Disney, baby. Yeah, I'm gonna find it frustrating in the way that I always do from a structural standpoint because, mm-hmm. like, I know the Morning Report. It was in the DVD release, yeah. and it sucked there too. So, yeah. <laughs> so it's just like, just like most of the songs that they add, because I've never seen a Broadway adaptation of a Disney movie where they added a song and I'm like, yeah. that added something. Yeah. You know, I, I could maybe make an, a case for human again. It helps mm-hmm. with the pacing a little. Yeah. Uh, not really. Like, uh. but we're, we're overlooking a really important part of this musical, which apparently is a lot of puppets. Oh right? my God. This is what I've heard. Mm. It's just like foam after foam this piece after that's, that's sticks a sell to on me. Yeah. sticks. It's going to like knock you on your ass. Like okay. if you like puppets. I love puppets. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's our, uh, the big regret is like the King Kong musical. Yes, right. That's what yeah. I was talking about. I was like, I would have fucking died doing Who did I like see that, that with? Uh, did you see it with Nella? Maybe. I'm like, I, Joy. I don't know. Like I saw it with someone. I'm yeah. like, who did I see it with? Because no one else saw it. I'm the only person uh, alive who saw, saw you Kong. after you saw it. Yeah, because I had who King Kong it? merch. Yeah, there was like Kong stuff yeah. everywhere. Wait, so are people just dressed, like is Mufasa like a guy dressed up as like a lion or is you, it like a puppet? Yeah, or how does it's it work? like, it's not really puppets. It's yeah. like, it's, Some, it's, yeah. it's more it's like. Costume extension or something? Yeah, it's like, yeah. Okay. They, is, you know, they show up with masks and then they take them off and then they just are actors. Yeah. Sort of. Sort of. Some characters are more like elaborate, like combinations of costume and puppetry. Okay. There's one one thing that I remember hating about the show, and I'm Only like, one. I'll just say it's related to like costuming, and okay. leave it at that. And I want to know if you'll mm-hmm. pick it okay. out. Well, what not, it like right. like Olaf in Frozen. Yeah. Uh. Oh, that was a choice because you, you never seen Frozen. No. Oh my god. I, I'm so, wondering if it's like a same kind of yeah, scenario. So I mean, it's been a couple years. So let's <laughs> let's, let's revisit see. that. Yeah. Basically, in Frozen, they th- for Olaf. Okay, so a lot of times what they will do with puppets like this is they'll just have like like in Avenue Q, they just had the people just be there like next to the puppets and like they didn't have like masks or anything. Sometimes they will be like all in black, like completely like like Spider-Man or something. In the case of Olaf, they had a guy like with his like Olaf comes up to about his <laughs> junk. So it looks like he's like humping the back of Olaf's head and he's just kind of dressed as a as a Norseman. Like <laughs> like he's just kinda <laughs> he's just kind of a guy. Who's your Norseman friend? Like this snowman. he's like vaguely like a little snowman dressed, but mostly it's just kind of an outfit. Yeah. And he's just a guy with with Olaf and and it was just Weird. like um, this is, I don't think this works. Yeah, unless they've revamped The Lion King in any way, shape, or form since I saw it. Uh, you, I think you'll <laughs> have some thoughts. Oh, I think I, I'm just going to go ahead and place it my bets. Is it Timon? Yes. Okay. <laughs> oh, 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 okay. I'm like, costume. it's going to be some character that's small. Literally the only character that I have this complaint with is mm-hmm. like, 
it is just like bizarre. It doesn't fit in with the rest mm-hmm. of it. Like Pumba has like a really cool puppet. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like I'm, Timon is just like it, my memory of it. It was like a man in a green suit with a giant like Timon. Oh, like, so it's like a green CG, screen. I was just yeah. saying, green like, screen him out. They're yeah, like, it was just like he was in like a Zentai suit that you buy at, like a Halloween adventure. A hentai suit. What's at the new Amsterdam right now? Aladdin. Okay, ah, gotcha. so that makes sense. Which, yeah. Now. Which we've totally seen. <laughs> um, yeah, it started at the New Amsterdam Theater, and then I've never been in there, and apparently I'm not going to. <laughs> but, like, the Minskoff is the biggest one. Like, at least the biggest stage. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, the Gershwin is the biggest, where Wicked is, is the yeah. biggest one in terms of seating. Yeah. But the Minskoff is the biggest one in terms of, like, the stage. And that's, I guess, a big thing here. It's like, that's where the shows that are going for all the like technical Tonys go. Mm-hmm. And so that'll be interesting. Yeah. I've never okay. actually been in the Minskoff. No, me neither. I'm excited for that. Cause I'm that kind of loser. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, that's good. So I think it's going to take us to a commercial break. Let's go ahead and watch the Lion King. Get excited about puppets and masks and Timon, hopefully. Uh, it's been a while they've made 8 billion dollars I'm sure they've been able to fix some of it Uh, and we'll go watch the show and come back this episode is sponsored by CuriosityStream a subscription streaming service with thousands of documentaries and non-fiction titles such as can a computer write a hit musical in a world becoming ever more technologically advanced and reliant upon computers a team of scientists and musical theater writers team up to devise a recipe for success in musical theater, and then task computers to use that knowledge and generate a hit. Suffice it to say, if you like this podcast, this one sounds pretty relevant. You can also get access to our streaming video service Nebula when you sign up for CuriosityStream using our code at curiositystream.com slash musicalsplaining. The Streamy Award-nominated Nebula is a video streaming platform built by and for creators. So you got Nebula, why CuriosityStream? Nebula is a place for smaller, indie, education-type creators to try out new ideas that might not work out on YouTube. With Nebula, you can see original video essays, films, tone poems, all kinds of stuff from creators like Cat Black, Sarah Zed, and of course, our very own friend, Lindsay Ellis. Right now, you can get CuriosityStream and Nebula for only $2.99 a month or $15 for the full year by visiting curiositystream.com slash musicalsplaining. Once you use the code, you'll get a welcome email from Nebula giving you access to all the glory that is CuriosityStream and Nebula. All right, guys, we are back. Uh, We have seen The Lion King, had a great time. I guess a quick synopsis of this. I was thinking about that. I'm like, do you even need to get into a synopsis of Lion King? Like, you never, yeah. not seen it. The story of a young lion who just wanted to be king. king. Yeah. Until he was gaslit into thinking he murdered his father by Very his confusing. gay uncle. Yes. Um, <laughs> gets some yeah. incredible abs. Um, yeah. In the interim. Gets a, a new nice haircut. Hair. Yeah. An incredible yeah. haircut. Let's it grow out nice yeah. and thick. And uh, then he comes back and fights his gay uncle for the throne. Yeah. I do like the turn of, though, of, like, he gets laid and then sees his dad's ghost. And then yeah, he's like, it's, okay. It's that post-coitus guilt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what am I doing with my life? I'm sorry, I mean, that dad. was all, I guess, in the movie, that was also the, the line that launched, or that the shot that launched a, a thousand furries. Right, right, oh. right, right, right. The the, the shot of Nala giving um, Simba the bedroom eyes. The, yeah, the, the the most in like watching yeah. it with my Nala, <laughs> Nala's put it in face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
we we were talking about it this a little bit before Angie. So remind us again. You said you saw it in Philly like many many years ago. Right? Yes, yeah, yeah. I saw it in Philly like a touring production when I was in high school from like very bad cheap seats in like this big massive auditorium of a theater in Philly. I remember liking it a lot, but I you know I walked out just kind of be like, okay, could have saved that money towards another ticket for Phantom. Why'd I do that? You know, like. <laughs> Do you feel like it uh, added anything, the second viewing? I definitely enjoyed it a lot more this time around. Like, for sure, like, had a lot more fun, like, I guess. I mean, I was sitting next to, like, one of the worst audience members I've had in a long time at a Broadway show. Oh, no, do um, tell. She was just on her phone the whole time. Like, there was no language <laughs> barrier. There wasn't There wasn't anything she could fall back on. She was just constantly texting on her phone. And, like, she was, you know, this older woman, Weird. too. And I'm just like, what the fuck? Like... Like during the big opening, so like the circle of life in in the Broadway show is just like this insane yeah. like cavalcade of massive puppets. They're like, all coming down the aisles on yeah, the side. Yeah, yeah. everyone. Arguably the only reason to see this show. Everyone in the audience is just going ooh and ah, and this woman is just sitting there on her fucking phone, like texting the whole time. And I'm just like, what? Was she like, by herself or was she with? She was someone? by herself. She was by herself too. That's and it was funny. Weirder. We were sitting I, the, on the other side of me was like a family of four with like two like six and five year old boys and they were better behaved. I was just like, what the, I I don't want to hear a goddamn thing about where did audience decorum go with these kids? Because most of the time it's like always boomers for me. Anyway, besides the point. We had something similar in the back too. I think I remember people. No, yeah, there was a kid right in front of us that could not sit still. Oh, Jesus. I mean, it wasn't like he was noisy, but he was very obviously bored, especially in the second act. Because I I don't know, I'm just sort of like as the, I guess, premier Disney hater now, (laughs) I, I, you know, I feel like it's like, well, it's more interesting than the other ones, I guess, visually. Mm -hmm. Uh, It did add some stuff that I thought was cool, Mm -hmm. but it still has the same problem that they all have, which is that they're twice as long as their source material and they're they drag yeah <laughs> they, they they really drag all it's just sort of like you know you look at anastasia and it's like uh, the exact same thing <laughs> I, but it's just like i think anastasia counts because it like you know follows the exact same blueprint that disney set out and is now owned by disney anyway well i was gonna ask you guys about frozen because i hadn't mm-hmm. actually i still haven't really even seen it so as thus far as far as all the musicals we've seen the only other one i've seen other than Beetlejuice was frozen. That was based on something else. But one thing I noticed that really made it drag for me in Lion King was like a lot of the dialogue that was taken was just exact. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, it was that the case with frozen as well, or is that only Lion King where they do that? I know beauty and the beast did that. Uh, okay. I, cause I don't, I'm not, I guess I don't know frozen well enough to know like how much of it was verbatim. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess my memory of frozen is that it wasn't agonizingly long. Like <laughs> Anastasia was, <laughs> oh. uh, But it was like still, I guess it was like about half an hour longer than the movie, Mm. uh, which is still a lot. Like if it's, you know, a 20, a 30, a a 35% runtime increase is, is a lot. Uh, And a lot of what they, what makes it longer is just the way they chew the lines. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I think that's true of like the Lion King where it'll be like the exact same lines, but set in this really like drawn out way where it's like almost takes twice as long to say the exact same thing. Yeah. Say nothing of the shit billion like musical numbers they added. Oh yeah. No, it's very funny because like one, one of the things I distinctly remember from seeing it in, in high school was how much I hated the morning report. And I remember us joking like, God, I hate that song. Oh yeah. And they got rid of it. it. (laughs) But there was still like, a fuck ton, like, cause the, some of the songs I like, like Nala has Shadowland, which is just the Hans Zimmer score, like 
mm-hmm. with words yeah. to it. And I, I like that song. And I like He Lives in You. But then there was like the one with like the hyenas that was like chowing down or something. And I felt like I was <laughs> oh in my God, that was an awful. episode of like the critic. Like it's just like this is just too much. This is this is like too stupid. I don't punched out. I don't need the yeah. hyenas having a song called Chowing Down. Like I like it because it, it, the show aims for such like a high pinnacle of like art and then it's mm. constantly being dragged down by shit that yeah, like the feels- hyenas are like oh my god mm. yeah the hyenas are rough i mean especially like shenzi who like there's been a lot of discourse on like the racial coding in the lion king mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but when you watch the lion king it's just whoopi goldberg talking yeah right. like whoopi goldberg talk yeah uh in in the stage version she had this like it kind of reminded me of uh, skids from Transformers 2. Oh, like, like Tom Kenny doing a black scent. Like, I know it was a black actress, but like, right. just her accent was so like heightened and like trying to do a parody of what Whoopi Goldberg did. It was really distracting. Mm. That yeah. on top of just like how much goofier the hyenas were, you know. And I think it's weird because it's like all almost, I think the entire cast is black, but like the hyenas are the only ones that are like. American coded, you know, yeah, especially as that overt, and it was just like really distracting. Yeah, it's just like just talk normal, just, just <laughs> yeah, it was like borderline uncomfortable, like, yeah, like just going like an interesting choice to be made here, you know, like I, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it almost kind of feels like you know, it's just like, well, we read your you know, critical race theory essays from college in NYU, and we're gonna <laughs> lean all the way into this, sure. <laughs> That and they also just have the worst songs. I'm sorry. I'm like, man, the hyenas yeah. just always get done so dirty. Big Joel did a video about like how much weird subtext there is in The Lion King. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And is it a problem in the context of the movie? Not really, mm-hmm. <laughs> because like, you know, the movie slaps. And so mm-hmm. it's like, even though there is a lot of weird, you know, like both text and subtext. Mm-hmm. It still works uh, as long as you don't think about it too hard. And I think it's like those discussions are worth having, Mm -hmm. especially since it's like Mm -hmm. the most overt pro-segregation piece of art I can think of. Like, (laughs) like, except for except for stuff made by like, you know, Nazi Germany. Mm -hmm. It's just like, you know, separation is right and good. Yeah. The great Uh, chain of being, the great chain of being. The circle of life is immutable and divine right monarchy is good and correct. Yeah. And it's like, you know, that is text. That's what the movie is about. You can't think of any other movie where it's just like the underdogs, literally who are starving and sad are the bad guys. guys, Yeah. But it's just like in the movie, it's just like, I don't know. it, it, It just works better because it's like, the visuals are so much more like visceral and you know, you're just so caught up in the magic of the animation yeah. and the emotions that like that doesn't, that's not the part that sticks with you. No. And I think to speak as to as opposed to the show, where it's <laughs> a lot more just there. Yeah. I think to speak to your earlier point of just about there being so much more open, like just space in the stage show, you kind of do have mm-hmm. to sit in some, some really weird thoughts. Like, yeah. like, yeah, like exactly. I was like, wait a minute. Like, they spend the whole time like talking shit about hyenas and how bad they are, and like it's just like the hyenas are just trying to survive. Damn, let them and like yeah, like I, and the, I, the hyenas are like worse in the show. Like they're yeah. more goofy, they're mm-hmm. less dangerous, but they're also more badder. Yeah, like you, you look at like the the Lion King remake where they try to like you know the hyenas <laughs> have a point. Actually, oh, I forgot yeah. about that. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you know, and it's just sort of like, well, I guess that makes more sense than what they did in this show, which is like, no, the hyenas 
hyenas really are that bad. Yeah. And also they're like hood coded. Yeah. <laughs> you know? What was the point of them in the, re- the you're talking about the, the John Favreau live action one or not. Live yeah. Action, yeah. Motion capture or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Basically. Shenzi's yeah, a girl boss in, in that one. Yeah. Shenzi like, is like <laughs> regal and like serious. She's played by Lupita Nyong'o yeah. and like, you know, has a very like, you know, I have to free my people agenda. Like, yeah, you know, I'm like, it's all right. I guess they're engaging with the text. Yeah. I don't know if this is better. Uh, but like trying. Yeah. Maybe it would have worked if she hadn't been like a foil so hard for like the Beyonce Nala, which is just like, Oh my God. Yeah. Cause it's just like, she's still like an attempted cup. I don't know. It's like, I think there, there's just like this weird case to be made about like these animated movies that just have this magic that is impossible to recapture in live action, uh, settings, you know? Mm -hmm. And then it's just like, you know, these things that were subtext, People knew they were subtext, but nobody hates the Lion King. Nobody's yeah. like boycott the Lion King because it's pro segregation. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, it's just like suddenly when it's taken out of this like high emotionality, high magic, you know, beautiful vistas and mm-hmm. you know iconic performances, and just replaced by these like poor facsimiles, then you kind of have to sit with these thoughts in a way that you didn't, you know, <laughs> with the with the you know things that were excusable with the animated movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. At least that—that's kind of my takeaway. Because I'm just like, I guess I—I I disliked it less than the other Disney ones I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it actually kind of glad that we didn't end up seeing Aladdin because I would have been like burnt out from it. Just mostly the thing that bothered me was the the line for line fucking recreation of it. It was like that just. It was like hearing a cover song for the first time of a yeah. song that like I've just known so well forever. And even, right. I mean, I, I'm open to seeing it again too at some point, cause just because I feel like there's just that initial rejection of being like, this is different from the thing that's been ingrained in my brain for fucking 30 years. Sure. I don't know. I think it's, it's like, it's different, but it's also worse. Like, I think it's fair to, you know, say that, you know, when it's just like, because that's the thing is like when you have an animated movie and every piece of that movie is like worked on for years, it's finely Mm -hmm. tuned. They have like eight million takes they can choose from. And then you have a stage show that's just copying that. Then it's just like inevitably, yeah, the things that are not original to the show are just going to be a poor facsimile. So what people like about the show are things that are original to the show. But it's kind of hard to focus on that because you're just like. You know, that's not what you're sitting with once the kind of like wow of the uh, sets and puppets and costumes wears off. You're just stuck with this dialogue that's identical to the original, which is better. You made me feel a lot better because I felt bad because I was like, (laughs) that's sort of that's almost exactly how I was feeling. I was like, Mm -hmm. it's beautiful and like it's incredible to watch the way that she creates the stage into like this 2D space and like the puppets and all that. But you're right. Ultimately, it's like you're watching the same thing that you've already seen and there's no. Because after Circle of Life, it just kind of comes to a screeching halt. Because like the guy who plays Scar, again, like Scar has always been gay coded. Yeah. But like as with Shenzi, they were just like, you know what, we are going to run with this. We are going to. This is not going to be subtle. Yeah. Yeah. And so the first time you see Scar, he's like. Got his little hand on his lion hip, and he's like, got a a cane, like yeah. <laughs> like a lion cane, yeah. and he and he's just like sitting on the corner of you know Winslow, Arizona, yeah, and like you could just, just like, like hear, I'm never gonna be king, yeah, you could just hear like it just looks he looks like he's in a Buddy Cole monologue when you like are first introduced <laughs> to him, like the, like yeah. all the stuff, and he like monologues at the mouse, which is a shadow puppet, yeah, and. 
it's again twice as long, if not more, than it was in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> because he mm. chews every line. Yeah, and, and it's like there's nothing left to be impressed with because you're already like, you know, okay, well we saw the cool part. Right now it's dialogue time. <laughs> Jeremy Irons is is a crazy person. I think we all <laughs> can sit and acknowledge that. But like Love that, that is again yeah. a, a, a fantastic piece of voice acting. Like yeah, yeah that truly. like you don't really get from like a listers who do voice acting. Yeah. these days you know like it is it's it's truly elevated and so everyone coming into it is doing like a very poor person's jeremy irons yeah. said against james earl jones oh oh uh no, well, i mean like two like super iconic voices right. like i think that was like the saying, one yeah. of the only performances that kind of worked was mufasa because that guy wasn't trying to do a james earl he was, jones I, I really liked him a lot i thought he was fantastic i really enjoyed him but I was also like four like feet from him, and I just <laughs> really enjoyed. Everybody him. was like hot Mufasa. <laughs> <laughs> Mufasa was so hot, and he was really really good. Like I, I and Simba shows up, and you're like, oh yeah, okay, <laughs> this is fine. I mean, it's kind of like in the movie line. where yeah. Simba shows up, and you're like, oh yeah, okay, Matthew Broderick, sure, sure. that's a replacement for James Earl Jones. <laughs> sure, this is fine. Yeah, um, that's a weird cast. Uh, incidentally, I know we're not talking about the movie, but that is like of the original Lion King. I think Matthew Broderick is the most baffling casting yeah, decision in that strange. movie. I've, I've had to watch it so many times lately because my daughter's obsessed with it now but like every single time like you hear Matthew Broderick's speaking mm. voice for the first time because he doesn't do his singing You're, and the first time Which you see him weird. as an adult. Yeah, he, he can <laughs> he sing. Can sing. <laughs> he's, a, he's an Emmy or he's a Tony winning Broadway performer. Yeah, but like you hear the voice of him and it's him, it's just the guy doing the singing you're like, okay and then like he opens his mouth and starts talking and you just hear Ferris Bueller and it's like... <laughs> It's, it's very. Right. <laughs> guess we're here. They probably were like, "Oh, I get Ferris Bueller to do it because he's the guy that ran away from his responsibilities anyway." So uh, yeah, probably, just, like, probably some something like that. that. Yeah, because that's how they like you know cast Robin Williams. Where they, you know, sure. you know just like they will kind of write a part with like, "Hey, you already did this thing in yeah. mind." Right, right. Yeah, I, I didn't he do, had he just done that Civil War movie that he did like in like. Oh, Glory? Glory, yeah. Was I was in like, the 80s, was that in the I 80s? Think, right? I thought that was the early oh, 90s, yeah. but like, I don't know if like he was riding that sweet, sweet glory cloud and got <laughs> stumbled into Simba. Um, but what I wanted to go back to with Scar was I would have loved to have seen Patrick Page in that role because he did play it for a long time. See, that was what oh, I was going to say. Yeah, that was okay. what it reminded me of because I didn't see Patrick Page in this role, but you know what I did see? <laughs> Patrick Page as the Green Goblin yeah. in Spider Man Turn Off the Dark. And. Like, there's this song towards the end of Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark called I'll Take Manhattan, and it's the Green Goblin playing a, a white grand piano on top of the Empire State Building. God damn it. I talking, this was, this was so bad. <laughs> talking about how he's going to, like, you know, dominate New York City, and it is the gayest thing you've ever seen. It's basically, every time the Green Goblin is on screen, it is the gayest shit you can ever imagine. That's kind of what I imagine it was like is <laughs> the scar was very like Patrick Page as the Green Goblin in Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark yeah. was the vibe I was getting. Yes. But when you're not Patrick Page, I feel like that's a very difficult tightrope act to walk. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I will say this because I didn't really know who Patrick Page was when I saw him in Spider-Man mm. and Far and away, the most memorable thing about that show. So, yeah. I mean, I guess it's not a, it's not, it's not mm. a diss. Yeah, he was, he was uh, a great Frollo, too. Um, just, like, getting all those mm-hmm. Disney villains in under his belt. Good for you, Patrick Page. If, yeah, if, if people Hades are afraid to play villains, unfortunately, but, like, it's probably the most fun to play, from what I understand. Yeah. 
I think I enjoyed it the most out of everybody in this room, but the scenes that absolutely 100% ruined my enjoyment were always the Scar and the Hyena scenes. Like, anytime you came on stage, well, it was about, just like... What about Timon? <gasps> oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Can we talk about the costumes? Because, like, okay, so when Zazu comes out, Zazu, so so right. we talked about, about this a bit in the first half, was Olaf in Frozen, right. and the way they decide to do that, and how I thought, wow, that doesn't work. Um, was obviously inspired by the way they did Zazu and Timon in The Lion King. Mm -hmm. So Zazu is obviously one of the first characters that shows up. And the way he's done is he's a puppet that looks pretty identical to the character in the animated movie. And he's puppeteered by this guy who's in a sort of... It's like a like a bowler like hat. a vaudeville butler. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. say it's like an old timey suit with like that weird. Yeah, yeah. Hat. And he has has a kind of weird like like face paint where it's like a reverse Siamese cat where it's like kind of black and then it fades to white at at, at like his his mouth and nose. And I was like, this actually works pretty well because it's like the human puppeteering the you know animal is like sort of like a you know almost An extension a yeah. pastiche of yeah. what his real life equivalent would yeah. be yeah. yeah and so i was like oh this actually kind of works i don't know what edgy was talking about and then no. came to mo <laughs> <laughs> he looks like so like there's a real like it's like a two scale human-sized Timon puppet, but the, the puppeteer slash actor is wearing a full, like, jolly green giant mm -hmm. costume and, like, right. wig behind him. And this guy was, like... Kind of, kind of plus size. Like he was at least a two, like an XL, maybe a two mm. XL. So he was just like he looked like James Corden in a green burlap sack. <laughs> it was. Ooh, I am sorry, bro. That's but the meanest thing you've ever said about anybody. <laughs> How dare you it call was, someone James Corden? That poor man. I know. He looked like James Corden. Not James Corden, obviously. <laughs> you were the actor. Up, I'm talking like, about Tell performer. me I'm wrong. As 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 someone who proved me wrong, he looked like James. Corden. Nobody deserves Stephen to call him James like, Corden. I, I feel like. He didn't look so much like James Corden, but it's one of those things where everyone else in the show is so incredibly ripped that like, yeah, like that you immediately stand out as not that. And like the the, the guy playing to like and the other thing that stands out is like, again, with um with with Sazu and even Pumba, like as much as they look like their puppets look like the characters, like the way the mm -hmm. the puppeteers slash actors are dressed fits in with like the motif of the rest of the show that like there's like this yeah. kind of organicness yeah. to them that like these puppets arose out of something that was not just like we must copy this. Whereas Timon is like, again, the puppet is literally Timon and then just an insane bright green thing that does not one like go with the Timon right. puppet. I, mean, I don't, I don't know how they could have done a Zazu like thing for Timon, yeah. but like a green burlap sack, isn't it? Because he never matches the background <laughs> no. at any point. And I'm like, maybe they surely they could have found a way to make this guy match the background because like most of the time Timon is green, but the background is kind of like golden. Yeah. yeah. So it's like this really intense contrast because you have the Timon puppet, you have the actor puppeteering him in green face yeah. and then whatever color the background is which is nine times out of time, ten not green yeah and so it was just such a baffling decision I yeah. mean I don't know what would have been better but like yeah. I'm like I'm sorry I'm sorry Olaf I was wrong <laughs> <laughs> I mean I wasn't wrong but no, like I was too hard on you that I saw oh my god I'm yeah. turning red talking about Timon I've seen the <laughs> <laughs> I've seen the Olaf we'll puppet and, like, it still looks weird, but, like, the puppeteer, again, like, it, it feels, like, a lot more cohesive to the rest of the, 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 the art design for Frozen than, than Timo. Timo uh -huh. feels like yeah, it's on, like, yeah. another planet, like, just I entirely. Thought, yeah, I thought, I thought uh, Olaf was so distracted <laughs> and then came Timo. Yeah. Like, I remember in high school, again, from a very cheap 
bad seat, seeing Timon and having like a visceral like flight or fight response. Like it just it just looks so strange compared to everything else on the show that looks like so thoughtful, like so much like love and intent. And we are trying to paint like this kind of picture of not just the Lion King, but like a, of South African art. But and then Timon shows up and you're just like, oh, well, someone had to take a Weird. shit that day. Yeah, it really did feel like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like we, we debut tomorrow and it's like, oh, shit, we forgot. We, we, got, we forgot about Timon. How yeah. are we going to do Timon? <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> and then, like, it really does feel like an afterthought. Yeah, it's it's. Ugh. Quite. Uh, I'm trying. I'm trying to think of like. I mean, I, I feel like I should add this caveat of like. I. I really was not feeling well, and like the kid in front of me was really distracting, and mm. the audience was unusually talky. Yeah. Like I didn't have. We didn't have someone looking at our phone, but it was just like, kind of the one of the worst audiences I've ever you know <laughs> been with. Yeah. We had seen another show earlier that day as well. We had seen that was like the third show we like saw in like it, less than twenty four hours. My wonder was dampened. I'm trying to think sure. of like you know how how do you. You know, we should say something nice. <laughs> like, no, I mean, no, like I think. Like, we're in the circle of life. I, no, I was going to say, like, what, what you were talking about earlier, just to sort of build on that, like, the sets are fantastic. I think, I like, I, you know, everybody already knows this, but obviously, for me, it's the first time, but, like, the way that they converted this big 3D space and trying to make it, like, this flat 2D thing, especially the scene where uh, Mufasa gets killed. Oh, right. yeah. Um, where there's, like, the stampede. That's fucking amazing. It's super cool. Yeah. But like you said, there's only so much you can sort of hang on the spectacle of it if it doesn't at least have, like, a spine of something that's interesting. Yeah. I wouldn't say interesting, but, like, yeah. I like, guess new. unique. Yeah, because I think they did. They added a lot of stuff with the lionesses, which I thought was cool. Mm. Yeah. And it's not, like, girl boss stuff either. It's just, like, we're just yeah. kind of out here trying to survive and not, like, get sexed by Scar. Like, it's very. Yeah, and that it, was, like, <laughs> some new music. I don't, I, like. There's a couple new uh, songs. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, I mean, like, that was the only new music I kind of liked was just the lionesses yeah. kind of, like, doing their morning song whenever mm. Mufasa dies. I thought that was cool. Yeah. I like um, He Lives in You. I love He Lives in You. So, like, yeah, I know. Yeah, that's what I was going to talk about. Yeah. It's, like, the best part of the second act. And, like, I remember, yeah, like, loving sure. that intensely as a high schooler. And it's beautiful. It's, it's, it's really awesome. Well done. Like, I, th- I feel like, oh, yeah, that, that song actually adds a little bit more depth to, like, it's not saying anything that the text doesn't say, but it builds on that yeah, emotion. I don't know. Really I, high. As, as the resident hater, I disagree. I think it kills the pacing. But oh. then again, the pacing was already dead. So I, I, I <laughs> love that. I, I'm actually really curious to see if you're somebody who's like never seen the movie and then they go in and watch this. And that's like their first experience with the story, how they feel like the young people now, as we go, like to refer to them. <laughs> There's no such thing as a kid who has seen, has not seen the Lion King, the movie yeah. who saw this, like it just doesn't exist. I mean, I was reading this really interesting article from the New York times that came out a couple years ago. And it was about like multiple different women who have played Rafiki that were cast yeah. from like Johannesburg and like how I it's, that too. yeah, it's a really, really interesting article, but like, it was just like, even like, like it was just like, well, we've all seen the Lion King. And like, after a while, yeah. word of mouth becomes like, this is how you get, you know, a decent job as a performer and mm-hmm. earn money and there's just basically like this like Lion King like cottage industry in South mm-hmm, Africa mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a really 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 good article I'm trying to remember who wrote it because I think the Lion King pipeline yeah the Lion King pipeline no, so it's like contractually <laughs> apparently pipeline yes yeah. yeah, so that's like the actor's equity I think like Julie Taymor at the beginning was like this is we can't just have like a bunch of non-African people like being in this show that's worldwide so they yeah. set up something in South Africa, like a lot of people who don't even necessarily like have any experience performing. Yeah. Yeah. 
So they sort of setting them up like, I don't know, like fucking K-pop group or something is the mm-hmm. best metaphor I can think of right now. But like they've been doing that consistently for like 20 years. And yeah. it's like, I think a fifth of the cast. So they said there's about 50 people in the cast and, you know, it's playing in multiple theaters around the world at the same time. But yeah. like, there's always people that are going. So, yeah, like the Lion King's been hugely significant for a bunch of people <clears throat> coming out of South Africa, which I thought was really cool. I thought that was especially like this isn't like. Now people yeah. being like, oh, oh, now that I'm woke because of whatever. But like this was back in the Rafiki day. He has like a a, a monologue in uh, uh, Sosa. I can't print. It. I, I can't do the click. X-H-O-S-A pretty early on. And uh, like I did, I, I, you know, didn't know that about the casting when we first watched it. And Sosa is a really, really hard language for basically anyone who's not a native speaker to you know, speak uh, convincingly. And so when she was like kind of hopping back, back and forth between English and uh, Sosa, she was like, I was like, damn, did she just learn this or is she a native speaker? And it turns out, well, at least, at least if not a native speaker, like, uh, probably grew up with it. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's funny because in that article that like they were talking about like one woman who had played Rafiki in Germany, then got like carried over to like Amsterdam yeah, yeah. or something like that. And she started singing mm-hmm. the song in German, like, even though she was supposed to be singing it in Dutch and you know, her first language was like Swahili, I believe. I just looked it up. It's Michael Paulson's the writer. It's from 2017. The article. Yeah. I remember cause we had, I, we tweeted about seeing the lion King and someone in my mentions was also mentioning how, um, especially like that, that on track at the beginning of the second act where it's just basically the performers coming out and just singing like that. There's a lot of anti-apartheid uh, sentiment in the lyrics that I, as an English speaker, would not pick up on. Um, mm. That was very pointedly included in, that. which is kind of ironic yeah. considering <laughs> the text of both the yeah, film and exactly. The show. Yeah, right. <laughs> I regret to say I've thought of the Book of Mormon in that one joke where like they're going. Oh, the Book of Mormon, uh, but <sighs> when they first find out that they are going to. Um, Uganda. Uganda. And they're at the airport and their neighbor comes out and starts doing the Lion King. And the joke is like, oh, that's like all white people know about Africa. So like. <laughs> that's yep. true. And they refer to it as a continent as just, hey, it's Africa. It's all one place. Yeah. That's that's the suburban thing that people always think about. Well, I guess as far as lions are concerned, <laughs> <laughs> their absolute monarchy is, yeah. is transnational yeah. and African. <laughs> I think it's definitely my favorite of the. Disney musicals I've seen it was like maybe the only one that honestly felt like there was some sense of art we want yeah, to like we want to push this artistically and 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 deepen what exists with within the show um a lot of it mm-hmm. being from like Lebo M score which honestly is yeah. what makes the Lion King as good as it is and I mm-hmm. do like the show for leaning into that artistic sensibility but yeah it, it suffers the same problems as pretty much every Disney show for me I'd, I'd gladly watch it again like I I wouldn't you you'd have to like really push me hard to go and see like Beauty and the Beast again mm-hmm. <sighs> um but like the Lion King I I, I genuinely enjoyed it despite its Self yeah, for, for I think I agree with you. Like, I, I'd be interested in seeing it again, just knowing now what I would be getting into. Sure. And just to sort of really <laughs> be able to sort of like just ignore the whole like story part of it and just like really be able to kind of relish the sets and the costumes and, yeah. the, <clears throat> and the set pieces and, you know, and, all, and the puppets and all that, because I feel like. You know, especially the first time you're seeing it, there's so much assaulting you at the same time. Sure. And th- this was also like Julie Taymor's like big leap to like Broadway from like opera. And it's cool to see that yeah. before, you know, going completely off the rails and Spider-Man turn off the dark. 
but for yeah. the best, honestly. Next time we're back in New York, if we find if we find cheapo tickets, I'd, I'd like to go. Even I'd be happy going to see Nosebleeds just to sort of like experience it. Yeah, I mean, the other show I saw that weekend was Wicked, which. I right. do not care for. So yeah. I think I was just like, yay, Lion King. I like the Lion King. So I was somewhat drained after Wicked, too, because that was the one that we saw that same afternoon. So I think. Oh, I right. Yeah, like, yeah. So much sensory overload. Yeah. I think I just I can't with these Disney shows, <laughs> you know, because I'm just kind of sitting here thinking like I honestly kind of prefer Wicked because at least it's its own thing, mm-hmm. you know, and because, again, like unlike, you know, Beetlejuice, the musical. Yeah carries almost nothing at least dialogue wise Mm -hmm. from the movie and Mm -hmm. it has a very different story like the lion king is like aside from the sets just kind of identical but longer and the Mm -hmm. stuff it adds just makes it drag sure i'm just like i guess it's like the least unnecessary of the disney shows Mm -hmm. but like you know it still kind of suffers from the same thing that they all do which is like unnecessarily long adding stuff that kind of makes it drag and not better yeah um, <laughs> or straight up just enhances the weird stuff that was already in the material. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess it's just like, if we're going to get rid of the morning report, you know, maybe they could have done a better job with the hyenas yeah. too. They could have gotten rid of chowing down. And I think the show would have yeah. been. Because I'm like that, like, I think the idea is like, it's goofy because the kids will think it's funny. Mm-hmm. Kid, no. Kids are uh, stupid. Like, you're just looking at, it. yeah, kids, kids get bored if it drags mm-hmm. and the hyenas make it drag. So, you know, yeah, no, <laughs> less hyenas. No more, please. But I think it's that's a really good, valid preference to have in seeing Broadway shows, especially since they're so expensive. Like, am I just seeing like a photocopy of something that I like or like even thinking about my favorite show? Of, however, last year's was Great Comet and all of the dialogue, all of the recitative is literally dialogue from the book. But it's the context in which it's set in that makes it so like explosive and different from anything right, you'd ever yeah. think War and Peace was. Whereas like, adaptations are fine. Everything's an adaptation. Like even yeah. Hadestown is an adaptation. Yeah, like, yeah. But like the, when it when it's like, you know, beat for beat identical it's distracting especially if it's something that you already know really well the egregious the lie the 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 um it's a small world joke in the movie that they then turn into a let it go joke i was like please let me oh god this is gonna be the new thing like yeah we know frozen is annoying (laughs) i'm like it it still sucks we also produce that Yeah. yeah i was thinking about that earlier about how like the it's a small world joke in the lion king like was kind of the 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 bellwether yes. for Disney's right, right. meta like haha we know we suck yeah. thing that we are still living in the middle of yeah. <laughs> and then we'll it we'll just ends. just be it's like yeah th- I don't know thirty years onward and here we are <laughs> yeah I just I I I think I'm just like I'm just kind of completely over Disney as a company mm-hmm. <laughs> just kind of have a Pavlovian fear response now for yeah, everything yeah. Disney yeah but in particular just because it's like the monopoliness of it like on broad everywhere but particularly on Broadway just makes it kind of hard to for me to enjoy because I'm like it's it's half of Broadway yeah, yeah. and it, it is kind of taking up space but doesn't really add anything it doesn't say anything new yeah and again I think this is like kind of the least offensive entry but it's still the same thing mm-hmm. so I'm like all right it's fine I guess but sure it, do- <laughs> it doesn't make me feel anything positive sure yeah. Well, okay. uh, I guess say this is uh, going to be our last show for uh, indefinitely. Ooh. So I guess thanks for sticking with us. Thank you, guys. Uh, we'll be back someday. Uh, it's been a pleasure to give you guys cool podcasts to listen to. And Angie, thank you for being our fifth Beatle. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Thank you. It's been such a pleasure to come on to anything we've talked about and immediately ruin it by bringing up Phantom. 
<laughs> so thanks for we having me. We barely mentioned it this yeah. episode. I know. Really ruined it by shitting all over it. Sorry, Wicked fans. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, everything comes back to Phantom in the end. But thanks again for having me. All right, guys. We will see you at the theater. 